Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Trigger warning. The following episode contains descriptions of graphic violence, sexual assault, and adult language. Viewer discretion is advised. I'm Danielle. I'm Max. And each Wednesday, we crack open a bottle of wine and dive into some thrills, chills, and spills. This is Innocent Till Tipsy. So we're back for part two. Okay. Okay. So it's a big one. We need to recap this just in case you weren't here for the last episode. We'll put a timestamp in if you're on the YouTube, like in the description, so you can kind of skip ahead if you watch the last one. Basically, what we've discussed so far is a lot of backstory. You should listen to the first part. You shouldn't mm-hmm. fast forward, but if you did. If you did, here's the long short of it. So Shanda Sharer, 12 years old, she started at a new public school. She'd been in private schools all of her life. Yep. Super well-educated, like, like honor roll student, like um, really into like extracurricular activities, really into hanging out with friends, fashionista, everything else. Basically, she gets into the wrong crowd, I would say, like when she ends up in public school. Yeah, like a nutshell, like straight arrow, yeah. public school, goes to public school, wrong crowd. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, she ends up um, seeing this girl named Amanda, but Amanda has a girlfriend whose name is Melinda. So important to note the ages, mm-hmm. because Shanda's 12, mm-hmm. Amanda's 14, Melinda's 16. Now 17. She's now just 17. 17. Mm-hmm. And Lori's 16? Lori's 17. 17. Okay, so mm-hmm. like from 12 to 17. So just, yeah, there's but huge the reason age being, we figured this out, you figured this out. Yeah. And because the schools are adjoined side by side. Side by side. Yeah. So like the detention's heist. the same and mm-hmm. dances and stuff. Like it's not, it, it was weird before that like, you're like, why are these teen, like 17 year olds hanging out with a 12 year old? Yeah. That's why. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they're all hanging out together. Um, but Melinda is jealous um, and honestly, you do have to go back to the uh, last episode to just understand Melinda's level of jealousy. Her and Amanda were in what I would personally call an abusive relationship. Controlling um, at the, at like controlling an understatement. At, yes, yes. Uh, you know, Amanda couldn't talk to certain people if Melinda wasn't around. And um, from that spawned Melinda's jealousy um, to Shanda. And... Melinda has been talking about wanting to kill Shanda or at the very least scare her. And to fast forward, like, mm-hmm. so Jackie, who's Shanda's mom, mm-hmm. has like caught wind of this, tries to intervene, is like, hey, drop Amanda. Hey, we're going to, this is getting out of control. We're going to switch schools. She puts yes. Shanda into a private school. Mm-hmm. Um, like the parents are on board. Even Amanda's dad is like, yeah, this Melinda's no good. Like, let's, let's not let's do, drop let's her. drop her. Yeah. So all the parents, well, not all the parents, but, um, at least Amanda and, um, Shanda's parents are involved and know that these issues are happening. And Shanda has been moved schools because like these issues were so serious. They're that like someone, leave each other alone. Yes. Stop. Yeah. Yes. But Amanda and her just still seem to not be able to, um, Shanda finally had moved on in this new school, finally was getting new friends, finally had upped her grades because grades had been important to her before getting into mm-hmm. this, it was like uh, a switch school. it was mm-hmm. uncharacteristic like she dropped what she was into when she was in public school and that's why her mom was like quick okay back to private school get your hat get your head on straight definitely but one night in january in indiana so it's cold remember that these two girls show up at shanda's house and want shanda to come and meet amanda with them she says she has a party to go to and that the girls will have to come back later Come to find out, these girls don't know Shanda at all. And they're actually friends with Melinda. They don't know Amanda at all. Amanda does not know that this is happening. Of course, Melinda has been talking for a while that she wants to kill Shanda. But how many times have we said we wanted to kill someone? But it, get, it goes further than that. It so does. that's why it does. it's like, yeah. Out of, yeah, it's like not okay. It's not okay. But still, like, 
um, I don't think Amanda understood the severity of that. So, because however, Amanda's not around Amanda's for, not this around part, for this part. Right. At all. So, yeah. Just to clarify, because who do we have present here? On January 10th, 1992, that evening, going to this concert is Melinda, who is 17, Lori Tackett, who is Melinda's friend, who's 17, and then Hope and Tony, who are friends of Lori's, who are 16 and 15, I believe, if I'm correct. And Lori's trying to get into Melinda's good graces and Hope and Tori. Or Tony. Tony, sorry. Our Hope and Tony are friends with, with Lori. Lori. Like, or, those girls don't know Amanda. They don't, or none of them know Amanda except for Melinda. And none of them know Shanda except for at Melinda. Yep. Yeah. So this is kind of where we're picking up at. Honestly, please go watch the other episode. I feel like this has been such a disjointed synopsis of the events that that happened confusing that we covered it for a whole hour a whole hour because there was just so many different players and they're all teen girls and except for shanda who there's a a lot of drama and there's a lot of drama um a lot of stuff to cover at that point in time january 10th after the girls had been to this concert they were headed back to pick up shanda because they told her they were going to meet her later so that she she could meet up with amanda i cannot preface this enough in the second episode, if you haven't watched the first one, Amanda had no concept any of this was going on that evening. Amanda's not there. She Amanda's didn't put not anyone there. up to the, this. No, Amanda has no part in this. But this girl, these girls have made the story in order to lure Shanda out to their vehicle that Amanda is uh, the wants reason, to talk to her. Wants to talk to her, and and what the what high schooler doesn't want to hear what their ex has to say to them, honestly. So. Shanda had arrived back home from the birthday party that she'd been headed to, right, in the beginning of this. Mm -hmm. She was in bright spirits and actually asked her father if Michelle could come and stay the night with her, this Mm -hmm. friend from the new school, right? So Steve had actually just started remodeling the living room, and some of the stepkids were in that week. So he was like, you know what? We don't have the room. Too much going on. So much going on. Yes. So he said no, but he invited her to eat pizza with them while she waited for her mom to come pick her up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, it wasn't a half hour after Michelle left that Melinda, Lori, Hope, and Tony arrived back to the share residence. Unknown, of course, to Steve. Steve did not know this was happening right, at all. She's like not supposed to be talking to any of them. None of them. So Lori and Hope, oh, of course, they did, she didn't know. Like she doesn't know, but like um, the, okay, she was supposed up, to be hanging out with Melinda. The dad overheard. <laughs> um, those two girls that came mentioned Amanda's name, and then I was like, no. Like, you're not hanging out with, Melinda hanging out tonight, with them or like, Amanda tonight. Yeah, yeah no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. So she had to knew she wasn't supposed to be like talking to them. That's why she's going to sneak back out to talk to them. Exactly. So Lori and Hope had actually run into Shanda's stepbrother's friend outside of the family home who was to pick um, one of like his step, the his friend up to take him to a party. Shanda's stepbrother. Yeah, Shanda's yeah. stepbrother up and asked if Shanda was awake. Like these girls asked if Shanda was up. He said, he's not sure, but like, let's go see. And went and knocked on the side door of the family home. Mm. That poor kid probably yeah. felt so much grief, like guilt. And they're grief strangers after to this. each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He thought they were friends. Him to the girls. He yeah, thought he they doesn't were know friends that they're not friends. Yeah, exactly. Um, they told Shanda they were off to go meet Amanda. Now, Shanda did not know that Melinda was hiding in the backseat at all, remember? So. Right. Yeah. She just knows there's two girls there. She thinks Amanda's outside. Yeah. She thinks Amanda's waiting for her. But they say, no, we've got to take you to Amanda. Amanda is not there yet. We have Mm. to take you to her. So they come back to the car. Lori took the driver's seat. Tony and Hope rode in the back, hiding, like, with the hiding Melinda, right? And then Shanda was in the front seat. Hope asked if Shanda knew that Melinda and Amanda had broken up. Shanda responded, yeah, I know. Amanda and I went together about four months. That was when Melinda Loveless popped up from the back seat yelling, surprise, I bet you didn't expect me here, bitch. Uh. Mm-hmm. So Shanda dissolved into sobs and tears, begging Melinda not to hurt her. She's 12. She's 12. She's 12. As Melinda pressed a knife into her neck. <gasps> yeah. I feel like a lot of people skip over the horrors that Shanda Sharer endured how terrifying that it would be for her yeah and um i feel like it's important to note us a lot of the horrific things that i do obviously don't have everything that happened to her yeah. in this um but i feel like there are important parts of this that need to be shared just to understand the depravity and the torture that she withstood within an eight hour period 
so I'm not going to hold back much on what happened to Shanda. So I just yeah. want to put that out there so that we understand that personally in my mind, I think these girls should have gotten harsher sentences. Right. So Melinda asked if Shanda had had, and Amanda had had sex as she held the knife to Shanda's neck. Uh, Shanda was honest. She said that they had, they soon arrived to the witch's castle and like that infuriated Melinda Mm -hmm. infuriated Mm -hmm. her. The girls all soon arrived at the witch's castle that they had three of them had visited earlier that night. We talked about that in part one. I can't imagine how terrifying being at that abandoned place. It looks like a Blair Witch Project type place. Yeah, it's like the woods. It's the woods. Yeah. With stone, cobblestone, like horrible. And you're there past midnight in Indiana in July or January. Sorry, excuse me. So it's freezing and you're 12 and you're with these horrible girls that mean to do so much harm to you. That are like into the occult. Oh, yeah. Because Lori's into the occult. That's why they were Mm -hmm. out there. Yeah. Scoping it out. So they forced Shanda out of the car. Hope said she liked him. Uh, she liked Shanda's Mickey Mouse watch. This watch her mother had just bought her for Christmas as a Christmas present. Oh. Hope, who had the knife now, took it off of Shanda and danced around to the tune of the watch. Oh, my God. I know. It's just so hard. I know this is just the beginning. Yeah. So the girls during this time actually threatened to cut off Shanda's pretty hair. Melinda pulled her rings off her hands and passed them around to all the other girls. They tied Shanda up with a rope that Lori had had in the back of her car and threatened to put her in the house's basement that had been, like, just demolished. Like, a nun, like a, any of this would give someone PTSD. Like, even oh, if this yeah. stopped here, like, you, Shanda would have been, like, traumatized. Scarred. Yeah. yeah, just the the torment of this. And the girls claim that this basement was a dungeon and that there were dead bodies down there and would she like to be next? Would mm-hmm. she like to be added to that count? They had an old shirt in the back of Lori's car that they would light on fire to bring them light, but soon they got worried that the passing cars would see. So they piled Shanda into the back seat of the car and covered her with a blanket as they went to go get gas because the car was running low on gas. At the gas station, Tony would call a boy that she knew from a payphone. Mm. Remember how I said there were many opportunities? Yeah, she could have called anybody with that call. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she didn't tell and, him. Or said anything yeah, to him. Yeah, she didn't tell him anything that they were doing. Didn't tell them that they'd assaulted a little girl. That they because had this little Shanda's girl. Shanda's like a hostage, basically. Sh- Shanda's like, kidnapped. I mean, they, they are kid- they they kidnapped, have kidnapped her. her. They kidnapped her. They didn't tell her they kid- that she kidnapped this girl. No, she says later that she just wanted to hear a familiar voice at that point in time. Because according to her, she was traumatized by what she'd already seen. She was traumatized? Mm, yeah, I don't think you get a claim that you're traumatized. I... Yeah, it's it's hard for me to absolve them of any culpability because at any point they could have like stood up and and put a stop to it. They're at a gas station, she's yep. making calls. Yep. Um there's other people around. Like you can't you can't just say you're afraid anymore. There are other people around. You're not in a hostage like situation Shanda is, but you're not. Yep. So, and I understand peer pressure like doesn't make it easy, <sighs> but it's doable. Yep. For sure. Um, as they left the gas station, they were mocking Shanda because she was crying. So they were making fun of her crying. Melinda made Shanda take off her bra and pass it to Lori, who put it on while she was steering the car as they drove. The girls sang along to the songs that were playing on the boombox that the girls had later, like earlier stolen um, batteries for from that Walmart that we talked about in part mm-hmm. one. Okay. At their next stop, which was a random location down a dirt road, Tony and Hope said they couldn't take it anymore later, so they just hid in the back seat of the car while they played the boombox so loud so they couldn't hear Shanda crying. Um, no one can take this anymore. End it. Like, like, yeah. like stop this trauma. Stop it. Basically. Yeah, Tony says she had tried. Now, this is all according to Tony. She said at this point, who, who would lie to investigators? So right. just take that with a grain of salt. But Tony says that she asked Melinda to stop, but Melinda had told her to shut up. So I guess she did. Um, according to her, she was frightened of Melinda, and they just remained in the back seat of the car while they watched what happened to Shanda. Shanda was forced to strip her clothes off. Melinda wanted them as souvenirs. It's January in Indiana. It's freezing. She is punched, kicked, and kneed in the face. She had new braces. She'd just gotten them two oh, weeks before. All of this is so um, cold it's and horrible. calculated. And this is, again, over the span of, what, eight hours? Yeah. 
Um, so it's not quick. It's, it's not quick. It's horrifying. Yeah. And her, her braces are lacerating her mouth with yeah. each blow to her face. Um, at one point, Hope ran out of the car. And Hope would later say that she was trying to help Shanda at this time. But according to Tony, who watched her, it looked like she was joining in on the beating. Yeah, I, I don't think you get to absolve yourself again. No. At some point, Melinda tried to cut Shanda's throat with a knife that they'd brought that she'd been showing off earlier, but the knife was too dull. They pulled a ro- that rope out again, and they put it around Shanda's neck, twisting it until she was unresponsive. They then, thinking Shanda was dead, threw her into the trunk and went back to Lori's house, where Lori told the girls fortunes in her bedroom with rune stones. Mm-mm. Yeah. Yeah, so. I mean, like, they, even though you already said like they thought she was dead. Like you thought they think they murdered someone and you're just hanging out. Yeah. According to Lori, she was trying to calm everyone down and give them good futures so that they weren't what amped up anyways. Um, at some point the girls heard the dog barking and so they listened and then they heard muffled screams coming from the trunk. So Shanda was not dead. Mm-hmm. Lori announced that she'd take care of it. She went into the kitchen and grabbed a paring knife and headed out to the car. She came back covered in blood, wanting to go country cruising, quote unquote. She just wanted to drive around after that. After After she she just comes back with like covered in blood, covered in blood and stabbing Shanda. Yeah. Um, She went and washed the blood off her and both her and Melinda left. Tony and Hope stayed at Lori's house. They said they couldn't like handle it. So they just stayed there. Um, so which to me like totally indicates that they know that this is uh, like they're trying to hide their guilt I mean like if you're like no no I'll stay back like you know that something's like you already thought you killed someone yeah yeah no they knew and like at that point in time they said at one point at in Lori's house they debated calling 911 but then they just didn't and it's like why didn't you like yeah um, so, ho- so our Melinda and Lori are just cruising around with what they presume is Shanda's dead body in the back of the car. At some point they decide that they should pull over and see if Shanda's really dead. They open the trunk and Shanda covered in blood sits full upright on her knees. She's, her eyes have rolled back into her head and she could only get out one word. Mommy. Mm. It like kills me. I know it's, it's really... Yeah. Yeah. So that was before Lori hit her over the head with the tire iron. I just can't even believe like the cold. You know, you're going to make me cry. <laughs> um, I just can't even believe like how cold they are. Yeah. Because she's like a child and like she didn't even do anything to any of these girls. No, she's only 12. So her last word would be mummy. So Lori and Melinda then thought of um, ways they could get themselves off scot-free from this crime. So um, they thought that if they pulled over and opened the trunk, that Shanda would, um, you know, flee. And then they could try to hit her with the car and then blame it on a car accident, like on accidentally hitting her with the car, even though they'd already done so much trauma to her. Yeah. Never would have worked anyways, but when they pulled over to try this, Shanda was too weak to even try to escape them. So they continued on driving. A little while later, they heard noises from the back of the trunk, gurgling sounds, but Melinda would say at some point, it sounded like Shanda was trying to say her name. I hope she hears that at night. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, they pulled over, and this time Lori got out telling Melinda to rev the engine so that it would drown out Shanda's screams if she had any. She went back where she hit Shanda several more times with a tire iron. Melinda says she heard thumping and weeping noises. Lori shut the trunk and went into the passenger seat, asking Melinda to smell the tire iron. She was excited, saying, I hit her in the head. It was so cool. I could feel it going in. Oh, my God. Later in autopsy, it would be found out that Shanda had been sodomized by a blunt forced object. Many believe was that tire iron. Mm-hmm. I kind of always assumed that that's what happened then. Guess, and that's yeah. why she asked Melinda yeah. to smell yeah. it. 
The girls would continue to drive like this for a while, cruising merrily around until they heard noises from the trunk, and then they would pull over and beat Shanda again. They soon went back to Lori's, where they woke up Tony and told her all of this had been a, a nightmare. They, they hadn't killed a girl that evening. It's all been a nightmare. Then they laughed as they told Tony and Hope about the, the tire iron hitting Shanda's skull and crushing it in. They tell the girls they've got to come out and see her. They pull Tony and Hope outside. One of them revved the car engine to hide the screams again while the trunk was opened. Shanda rose again, but could no longer speak, even though the girls had tried to talk to her. Her eyes weren't really open at this point. Mm -mm. They were rolled back into her head, and Hope sprayed Windex on her, telling her, you don't look so hot now. Hope would say there wasn't an inch of Shanda's body at that point that wasn't covered in blood. Then Lori's mom suddenly came out of the front door. Lori slammed the trunk on Shanda's head. Lori's mom wanted to know if they were just getting in, and if so, she'd make them breakfast. Oh, my God. Lori said they had to take the girls home, and they were going to go to McDonald's anyway, so not to worry about it. Before breakfast at McDonald's, the girls stopped at another gas station where they filled a two-liter bottle of Pepsi with gas. Early on, Melinda knew she was going to burn the body of Shanda Sharer to get rid of the evidence. Melinda and Lori had actually attempted to do this earlier that evening at the Tackett burn pile, Lori's family burn pile, but afraid they'd be seen, they chose not to. Down a dirt road in a crop field, they would burn Shanda. They covered her in a blanket in the trunk, which she clutched, so she was still alive when they pulled her out of the trunk. Mm -hmm. She was too badly beaten to speak mm -hmm. or move. Mm -hmm. Hope covered her. Hope covered her. Just to hope covered her. Yeah. In gas from the two-liter bottle of Pepsi, and Lori lit the match. The girls drove away but realized the fire wasn't raging as much as they thought that it should. Turned around to add more gasoline to the fire and noticed that Shanda was still moving as they did so. When she was burning to their satisfaction, they left for McDonald's. And at McDonald's, they would make jokes about their sausage breakfast sandwiches. Uh, I can't. I know. The sausage looked like Shanda's mm. body. Horrible girls. Um, all of them. Sorry. All of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Horrible. So Steve Scherer had noticed immediately the morning of January 11th. And I just have to call mm -hmm. out, like, if you, like, listeners, watchers, like, if you think this is horrible as we're all trying to, like, even discuss it, that was five minutes. Yeah. These girls did this for eight hours. Eight hours. Eight hours. And this little faced girl. multiple people, like... Boldface looked Lori's mom in the face. Boldface went in and ordered McDonald's and like <sighs> after they killed this little girl. Mm -hmm. Like that. With her in the trunk. She's not even like like as they're driving around. Yeah. Yeah. It's horrible. So Steve Scherer had noticed immediately the morning of January eleventh that his daughter was missing. And reported it immediately. <sighs> He'd con he tried to contact her friends, anyone he could, before contacting the, the police. Mm -hmm. But he soon realized he had to call the police. And then soon realized he had to contact Jackie. And he'd left Jackie to the last minute because he knew she was just going to be. Of course, because if he's calling her, it's really wrong. Yeah. And Jackie would later say that the evening before at about 10 o'clock, she had felt like she just wanted to call Shanda and tell her she loved her. And when she called, no one had answered. And Shanda, at that point, she was at a birthday party. Yeah. But it's just mother's intuition. Yep. Yeah. Dan Foley and Ralph Foley were heading out for their usual quail hunting that same morning. They were brothers. And that was when they saw a burned mannequin on the side of the road. As they got close to the mannequin, they realized that it was a body of what they believed to be a young woman. She'd been posed in a, posed in a sexually suggestive stance. Her legs were open. Her arms were in a boxer's pose. Now, this pose is, it indicates that someone's been burned alive. Mm -hmm. You see it mm -hmm. in burn victims that were alive when they died. Um, the police, when the police arrived on the scene, they thought it was a woman in her 20s who had been, who had been involved in a drug deal gone wrong. Like, that was the extent of Shanda's, the devastation yeah. that was on her body. They thought it was a drug deal gone wrong and that this was an adult woman. Like, because it's so brutal. And yeah. she's 12 years old, but it was yeah. just so brutal. The murder of Shanda Sherry didn't seem to bother Lori Tackett at all. 
Laughingly, she told Melinda to smell a piece of Shanda's skull they later found in the back of the car. Melinda slapped her hand and it fell to the ground and Lori joked that the family dog would eat it later. Lori would later say that she didn't feel anything about killing the 12-year-old. Tony and Hope weren't doing so well. They were hysterical, but out of fear of what Melinda, according to them, out of fear of what Melinda and um, Lori might do to them, they didn't tell anyone yet. However, Melinda was telling people. Melinda had told a couple of friends through tears of how horrible thing had happened that night and sometimes mentioning to them that Shanda Shara was dead and maybe she had like been involved giving pieces, bits and pieces of the story. Melinda could not wait, though, to deliver the news of Shanda's death to Amanda. After finding out that Amanda was at the mall from her father, who she called and wasn't there, um, they called the mall office and had her She's, like, trying to track her down in the mall to go and tell her. Yeah, that this has happened. So she's paging her. Um, This was an emergency. Like, she told them to tell her this is an emergency. Like, has to see her now. Crying, she told Amanda that Shanda was dead. She had just wanted to beat her up, but then crazy Lori had gone nuts and killed her. No. When Amanda didn't believe that Shanda was dead, um, they opened the trunk, and that was when Amanda saw the there was blood stains, there was claw marks from when Shanda had been trying to struggle to get out of it. And Amanda said, "I I just want to go home." And so they took her home, and Amanda had to sit in the back of the car where she knew that Shanda had been murdered like before this um when melinda dropped her off outside her home she begged her not to tell anyone amanda promised she wouldn't at like honestly she's 14 um yeah and child she's probably going back and forth again like we've seen interviews and things that she's going back and forth between like did this really happen Mm -hmm. and then like the horrifying reality like of if this did happen what the fuck? Yeah. And, and you're I in the get, car. And like, is it like, could I but, get murdered? Like, but there's no way mm-hmm. that like teenagers really killed someone, True. Mm-hmm. but Oh my God, that's a lot of like, that's a lot. Like, yeah. Yep. Um, so, uh, Amanda, when she arrived home, she went inside to her bedroom where she pulled out a box and it had all of the letters that she'd saved from Shanda Um, And she went through them one by one, reading them and crying. Tony was hysterical over what they'd done. And that day confessed to a friend who told her, you've got to tell the police. And yet neither of them did and went to one of their houses where they slept. I don't know how you can sleep after doing this, but they slept. They were awoken by the phone ringing. A lawyer on the phone informed them that as per what their friend had said, they needed to tell their parents what had happened. And then their parents could contact him if they wanted more legal advice. Uh-huh. Yeah. So Carl and Gloria Rippy, Hope's parents arrived at the Lawrence household with the girls. Hope's Tom. parents, sorry. Hope's yeah. parents arrived at, at Tony's household. Tony's house. Because remember, they've been friends They're since friends. kindergarten. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then they were friends with, with Lori. Lori. Yeah. So they arrived at this house um, to tell, um, you know, um, Tony's Tony's family about what happened. Yeah. So Tony actually confessed to her father that she hadn't been where she said she was the night before. She had made up a lie that she was going on a sleepover. They were going to a Mm. concert originally, right? Um, But then she couldn't couldn't get through anything else. That was all she could could manage to say. Um, Carl then informed Hope's father, Cliff, that the girls had witnessed two girls kill another girl the night before. He advised Clifton to not talk to the police. That was what um, Hope's, like his attorney, his own attorney had had told him. him. Yeah. They were taking Hope to a motel and he suggested that Clifton do the same. To take, take them out till they could figure out their next move or something. I don't know. It's weird to me that an attorney, I mean, if don't talk to the police, but didn't think your kid, I guess in this case, like he's saying his lawyer told him like, Oh, your kid witnessed a murder. Don't talk to the police. I'm sure they're wanting them to seek legal counsel first. Yeah. And both Tony and hope would lie about their involvement. Clearly they're involved, but their parents and the attorney don't know that they're involvement to that extent, possibly. But Clifton said, yeah, we're not going to do that. This little girl, I don't know what the hell happened last night, but she could still be alive. So he's like, 
I'm taking my daughter to the police. So while they fled, he took Tony straight into the police and said, tell your story. Right. Yeah. Um, Tony, um, yeah, so initially they lied and said they weren't present when Shanda was burned, but police would be able to figure out through timestamps and where the girls said the gas station was and everything yeah. about, no, you were there, there, there for sure. Yeah, there was inconsistencies in their stories too, so they knew that that was a lie. At this point in time, the sheriffs are, and this is like all in the same day, this is all happening, so January 11th. The sheriffs were emotionally exhausted at this point in time, and the police arrived at Steve's home to speak with him. He wanted to speak with both Jackie and Steve. Jackie was out looking for her daughter while Steve had obviously stayed home, you know, to so like... the police are arriving... They're arriving at, at the sheriff sheriff's residence. Yeah. yeah. He wants both of them there. He won't tell them why. Um... They did ask questions um, to Steve in the meantime while Jackie was on her way about the jewelry that Shanda had had on the night before, and they wanted to know about her dental records. It feels like a lifetime. Like, just imagining, like, what he's going through as the police are, like, if they're asking you and you're, like, if they're asking you about, like, what was your child wearing, what was she, like, what's her dental records? I'm sure you're waiting for Jackie to arrive. Mm -hmm. You're like, you're you're just like waiting and and just holding on to that moment before you hear the worst news of your life yeah so they asked about her dental records shanda had recently gotten those braces about two weeks before that had lacerated her mouth from the beating those dental records would be used Mm -hmm. to identify her which it kills me that a 12 year old's dental records getting braces to fix her teeth that's awful or what they pull into court yeah Mm -hmm. When Jackie arrived, they told her that her daughter was gone. Someone had taken her life. Lori and Melinda were arrested while they were asleep in Melinda's bed. Both were so groggy. Melinda said nothing as the sheriff announced that they were under arrest and why. Lori responded with, are we on candid camera? She's just so cold. Yeah. Margie's response to this whole event, so um, Melinda's mother, Margie, her response was, what have you done to Amanda? And that speaks volumes to me. Oh, yeah. I mean, she's her mother, and she's saying... That's what you assume when the police come in? What did you do you to do? your ex-girlfriend? Yep. She knew she was capable. Oh. Okay, so... Cons- just to rewind, like, that. Um, remember when Melinda was hiding in the back um, seat when they went to go get Amanda? Right? Mm-hmm. Like... That was what she was going to do. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So considering that question, it leads us to there's obvious signs that there's something fucking wrong with Melinda. Yeah. Um, and how in the absolute fuck could this ever have actually happened? I can't, I can't answer that. What I can do is provide some context as to what the girls were going through in their home life. That's all I can do. Yeah. So was we've gone through like, are you born? Are you made? We've talked about that a lot with these teen cases. We've talked about a lot of teen cases on here just because it's so, it's so crazy to think that teens could do something like this. If there was ever an argument for you being made as a person, it would be Melinda Loveless. So her father, Larry Loveless was a Vietnam war vet who married his uh, Melinda's mother, Margie, when she was just 16. Someone, I can't remember what YouTube video I watched or what it was, but they had said that they were like, he came home, you know, as a hero. Does no one remember that the Vietnam um, war vets were not not seen heroes? as heroes? No, they were spit on. Like yeah. I was like, I think you got your history wrong there. No, no, yeah. no. But anyways, I have no sympathy for Larry Loveless. Um, Larry would bring his friends over to gang rape Margie. Um, he would bring her into sit- swinger situations that she didn't want to be in. Of course, mm-hmm. this is like her first romantic entanglement and she was young again she was 16 yeah yeah i can't i didn't know his age but like obviously he was older um, than her yeah you know Mm -hmm. this yeah um so margie would actually attempt suicide several times in her life and even once during an orgy um after one instance of gang rape she tried to commit suicide again and then she refused to have sex with larry for over a month um after that he raped her in front of all of their children yeah horrific horrific yeah Yeah. um so margie is obviously a victim but i'm torn with this too i'm torn with that like statement that's such a blanket statement because i don't know how a mother could watch what happened to her daughters happen Uh, because melinda and her sisters had all been sexually abused by their father since they were infants Mm -mm. 
infants. Mm-mm. I don't know how you watch that as a mother and you live with that. She was 16. 16. Then and being raped. Abused. And <sighs> it doesn't excuse it at all. But it gives it's some It's just that context. additional context. Yeah. The loveless household was a hellhole. I guess it doesn't absolve her of being a victim in her own right. No. And it doesn't give her an excuse either. No. Like, end sentence. She's a victim. Also, she had a responsibility to her kids. Definitely. Definitely. So when Melinda was five, they actually joined a church. This would be kind of some reprieve for the girls because Larry would give up his raping and swinger habits. Okay. For a little bit. All right. So he was actually a marriage counselor at this fucking church. I'd like to know what the fuck this uh, church. I would like, can we put them on blast? Like I would, um, I, I grew up in a Baptist church. So a Baptist and Pentecostal church and we swapped between churches, but I, I know this is not the norm. So I would like to know what the fuck was going on with this anyways. So during that time, Melinda would actually be taken to a motel room as a child by a 50 year old priest to be exercised. There's just all kinds of, fucked up things that are happening yeah so whatever that consisted of i don't know why you have to go to a a motel for an exorcism also i don't know why we're doing an exorcism in the (laughs) 90s but like i don't know or i guess the 80s at that point any of it yeah why is he marriage counselor why is this happening yes so soon larry got back into his old habits um and they were like kind of excommunicated from this church because he tried to rape a girl at the church so I don't know why he didn't go to jail then, but whatever. In right. 1990, Larry was caught by Margie spying on Melinda and her friend. For whatever reason, this was like the straw that broke Ooh. the marriage's back, as we keep saying in these episodes. Yeah. And um, she chased him around the yard with a knife. Unhealthy. Yeah. Also, I think she, maybe this was just her psyche, like her psyche, like just being like. Breaking. Yes. Because like after so many years of like this, you know. So Larry would Larry would soon file for divorce and Larry moved to Florida, which destroyed Melinda because he soon cut off all ties with his children. And Melinda had actually been a daddy's girl even through all of this. I know it's so backwards and so horrible. And I know that like that's her father and mm. he's the abuser. And yeah, you see with victims, especially child victims, victims. an awful lot. Yeah, they ended up they end up like not loving, but like you're kind of like tied to them in a horrific way that shouldn't be happening, but it's just like a part of almost like the mental illness that ties you to them, you know? The trauma. 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 It's trauma. Trauma bond. Yeah. Yeah. There it is. There's the word. Okay. So she would later say that the reason she even dated Amanda was she reminded her of her father just in the way she was built and like everything else. I know. I know. So Larry would end Mm. up arrested I'm, I'm not even reading my notes right now. I'm just talking from yeah. like my brain. Um, he didn't end up spending any real jail time. He was held in jail for like two years. Oh. And during that time, the statute of limitations on like rape or something had run, run out. out. So he wasn't pr- prosecuted for this. Yes. Well, he did end up dying, but like, it sucks that he never really no got justice. His, there's no his justice. Crimes. Not at all. Sure. And he just left his children in this mess. Melinda would come out to her mother and Margie would not take it well initially. She couldn't understand why all three daughters of hers were lesbians. Um, yeah. She would end up coming around to her though and to all of her sisters. Sure. I do have one note um, on this whole thing. It's not like Melinda didn't have a good role model though. Um, she had her stepfather, Mike Donahue, who Margie had married and Mike would try to bridge a relationship with Melinda so many times, mm-hmm. but no matter how many times he tried, Melinda would just always shut him out. Well, he's a man. It, well, I don't blame her. gone through plenty after, of trauma. Yeah. And mm. this, there's just so much brokenness. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So don't blame her in that, but yeah. No. It's not like when it comes to uh, lesbian relationships or bisexual relationships or anything like that it's not like that's the like causation is because of the harm done to you or anything like that but it just like i can understand yeah i was gonna say i could like it gives an explanation in that case Mm -hmm. of why they would not want to have sexual relationships with men it makes sense that they wouldn't feel safe with men yeah and i'm not saying that that's the reason like obviously we are born, not made, but like, yeah. that's the, you know, like 
it definitely gives like it's like obviously your daughters wouldn't feel safe with the men so either like mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they were asexual sure. like not wanting sure. anything to do with anyone it just like it just crosses men off the list <sighs> yeah and like sometimes it doesn't sometimes like people in their case yeah I'm but saying. in their case yeah I can definitely understand why they were like it's like no Margie like all of your daughters of course felt safer with women than yeah. with men yeah but anyways um so on to Lori Tackett, we were talking about like born and made. Sasha made a really good point about how you talk about nature versus nurture. Maybe yeah. Lori was Well, I said, born. what the fuck was wrong with Lori? <laughs> yeah. Like Melinda went through tons of abuse. Yeah. It doesn't excuse any of this. But I'm you saying can, you can give context, context to, it. to mm-hmm. like her level of coldness, her level of normalization, normalization yeah. of abuse. Yep. Yeah. So with Lori, honestly, the abuse was not nearly as bad. So, I mean, if you can, you can't scale abuse, but let me, so yeah, let me explain. Lori. (laughs) Lori's parents had joined the lighthouse on the Hill church. I can't tell you what denomination, what anything of this was. I saw Pentecostal, but I, as I said before, mixed with Pentecostal and Baptist, my Pentecostal church was never this radical at all. Um, I mean, just to like say, like we can leave religion out of it. Yeah. That churches, not, not, not inherently bad or good no, no, no. people, yeah. people, people make it. They're yeah. made of people. I'm not saying anything like bad about. So I'm just saying yeah. like, before we get comments out the wazoo of yeah, religion no, no, no. here or there, I'm just saying this seems more culty than like going to church. You know what I'm sure. saying? So, uh, and whether or not this church actually was culty or whether it was just her mother's interpretation as well. That, I mean, that could be a thing too, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, Lori wasn't allowed to wear makeup, pants, fine. Um, but Lori's mom once caught her in jeans and was like mm. crazy angry. And as I said Seems earlier, extreme. yes. Sure. And as I said earlier to you, Lori's mother was like, if you've seen the movie, Carrie, Stephen mm-hmm. King's mm. Carrie, that's her mom. That's right. Basically, like lock you in the closet if you've done anything bad. Like there was okay. abuse, yeah, right. going That's on abuse. in this household. Um, after, so her brother actually found her diary. Lori's brother did, and Lori talked about being gay in it. Oh, that's not going to be okay. No. So Lori's mom actually strangled her after her brother brought this to her. So Lori didn't really stay home much after that. Lori moved around, was shifted through cousins, through friends. Lord knows what happened to her during that time, but it gives you a little bit of context for why this possibly could have happened. And then that was why she ended up dabbling in the occult and witchcraft was just that polar opposite. I can see why she kicked back against organized religion. Definitely. Definitely. Okay. Don't blame sorry, Nicole. I think that's also yeah. organized. Um, <laughs> I didn't go. Through. I just mean against her mother's force yeah. upon her religion. Definitely. Definitely. Um, so Tony Lawrence. Tony had been raped by a boy at a party about a year and a half before. I'm sorry, but wait. Lori's mother is the same mother that walked out when they had Shanda in the trunk. And then that was weird to me too. When we're talking about that, is like. You were okay with your daughter being like, you were like, you're, oh, you're just getting back. Yeah. Go have McDonald's. So that, that's weird as well. Um, so the girls had actually been playing with a Ouija board at one of the other girls' houses. Someone's house. Yeah. It wasn't at Lori's house, but like at one of the other girls' houses. And when Lori's mom found out, she like blew a gasket and she was like, oh, she went to like their parents Mm -hmm. of the the homeowner and was like, you need to exercise this whole house. And like, like was freaking out about it because of that. Right. Got it. Which like, whatever you believe, I don't know. I play with a Ouija board in Salem. I'm good. So there's a whole museum. (laughs) There was a whole museum, (laughs) but I just like, I thought that was, I don't know, a little intense. Um, if we're scooting over to Tony Lawrence, so remember Tony and hope were friends with Lori and that was the whole reason they were there. Right. Why were they friends with Lori? They're just friends. Tony and Hope are besties. Like, from and then Hope early. was initially friends with Lori. I don't know why okay. they were friends, but yeah. But they were. Lori was like eyeing Melinda. She like yes. had a thing with Melinda or wanted. She did. Yeah, yeah, okay. wanted a thing with Melinda. Right. Um, so Tony had actually been raped by a boy at a party about a year and a half before this event all happened. Mm. Extremely traumatized for this event. Because she's 14, 15, 16? 16. 16. 16. Her dad had tried to press charges against this boy, but all he got was like a slap on the wrist. I think it was like probation. And then it was kind of like a Steubenville situation. Do you remember that? I know. I don't like like any of this because it's, it's, 
rape is rape and yeah yeah and it just reinforces that the behavior is excusable when it's not fully prosecuted yeah so even though she was um she was raped and it had been like prosecuted to the full extent the whole community like went back on her and she was ostracized by all of her peers for reporting this at all. Yep. And yeah, so horrific. So I, you know, I feel like to be honest and I can just be open for my own personal experience. Majority of women have either been raped or sexually harassed in their lifetime. I cannot. And definitely know someone that has always, you can say that safely. Yes. And so I do not understand this being a reasoning for what the cause, like murdering someone, I can understand putting it as like context of like you had a rough life, but I think we all do at some points and nothing excuses it. Of course excuses us, but it gives context. I think if anything, it gives context to that. She was a rape victim. She did report it and the backlash on her Mm -hmm. and the like, yeah, like the, that it was ignored that, would forever change her with if, if none of that had happened. Yeah. Yep, definitely. So taking all of this information into account, the courts would hand down, in my mind, super late sentences on these girls, especially since the original discussion for this, which this is crazy to me because you know I don't personally agree with the death penalty. Sure. Um, but the original discussions for this case was Lori and Melinda could possibly have faced the death penalty because they were 17 at the – yeah, 17 at the time. Okay. Yeah, which is I didn't realize that of. they could have faced the death penalty because mm-hmm. they were minors. Yeah. I guess because they were being prosecuted as adults? Yes, they okay. were being prosecuted as adults. So it is crazy to me. All of them are free today. So t- Tony Lawrence, who was... I understand that these are mitigating circumstances. It. I think I just wish you could like set that aside yeah. from the brutality of the case. Yeah, because this isn't like I shot someone. This isn't like, this isn't even like we killed her. It's like we tortured and killed this girl over a span of eight hours. Yeah. Eight hours. And nothing you can say can justify that. Nothing. And that's what I'm saying. Like these circumstances around each one of those, like all of that abuse before should have been prosecuted and dealt with as those cases like yeah. rape, abuse, molestation, all of yeah. it. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. So especially like when you think about like Melinda and like Tony's situations, it's like that should have been handled outside of court. And then, yeah, well, not outside like of separately, court, like separate separately. their own yeah, cases saying, yeah. and not mm-hmm. like as excuses for Shanda's case. Exactly. So Tony Lawrence was sentenced to only 20 years and was released in 2000. None of them, I cannot understand, none of them served the sentences they were given. And I don't know if it's because they were juveniles or what the hell was happening. I couldn't really find any clarification on that, but here we go. Hope Rippy was sentenced to 50 years. She was released in 2006 and is now married to a woman named Alicia. Lori Tackett was sentenced to 60, which was the max sentence apparently. Um, released 26 day, 26 years to the day that Shanda was murdered. I think that's the gross. Day, it's I'm disgusting. Sorry. And I wanted to show you this clip of her from Dr. Phil. We can't show it on here, but we'll discuss it after we watch it. So basically that was Lori Tackett talking about the effect that the, her murdering Shanda Sharer has had on her own life. So her consequences of her own actions. I know. And so you probably see like our body language has changed because alligator tears. It's disgusting uh, oh, to fake. me yeah. to watch yeah. her cry. Her tears, like figuratively, of course, but like about how it's affected her life and how every January she has to relive this. Like, um, Shanda's parents have to forever relive it every January. So sorry that you have to relive what you did every January. And then you should carry this the rest of your life. I hope this sticks with you the rest of your life. Her saying that she did not know that Melinda was going to kill Shanda. Like totally the fact that she's now an adult and totally shuffling her responsibility in this crime out the door and saying Mm. she didn't know that this was what was going to happen. She didn't realize that like 
this was going to affect the rest of her life. Oh yeah, because half the clip is her saying, "If I would have known, I would have never yeah. gone up to the door. I would have stopped it. You could have stopped. You could have stopped. You could have. You didn't have to go up to the door. Mm-hmm. You didn't have to do anything. And she blames it. And too you could have stopped on, it. Anybody else? Yeah, she's like, it was pure, sheer, like sheer peer pressure, and that like everything just happened so quick. Well, it didn't happen quick, did it, Lori? Because it was over eight hours you tortured this girl. It wasn't just eight hours from start to finish. No, it was eight hours from you torturing this girl. I think it speaks and, volumes to her saying that she was like predestined to end up in prison. Mm-hmm. Just a reminder, she didn't know Shanda at all. At all. No. Um, so that, yeah, that's Lori Tackett. Um, she go fuck herself in my mind. But anyways, Melinda Loveless was sentenced again to that six year max sentence that Lori had received. She was released September 5th, 2019. The prosecutor says that Melinda is trying to like portray herself as a victim and why would she see herself as a victim? And to that point, um, she would later say that she didn't realize it took so long to kill someone. That doesn't make you a victim. So of what? She had, like, what is she a victim of? Well, she Besides just her planned abuse. on killing Shanda, not torturing her. No, I, this like I'm saying this with like such sarcasm because sorry, she's like, but, like crying just, because what we're watching is Melinda like sobbing about her court. sentence yeah. or something. Mm. And yeah, the prosecutor's like she was playing little old me like being a victim. Yeah, I'm like a victim of what? Like what? Honestly, could her defense team say she was a victim of? Yeah. Peer well, pressure. They would bring up Larry. So that's, yeah, I'm, so that's what I'm saying. But like, yeah, he's, but like, she's a victim with Shanda's of Shanda's murder, though. She's nothing. not a victim of Shanda's murder. Yeah, not at all. She's a victim in Larry, like a case against Larry. Mm-hmm. In talking about this case, it has been wild to me because we've looked at a lot of teen crimes so far. Of mm-hmm. why, why teens kill? Why teens kill? But why do these female teens? seem to get lesser sentences all of the girls we have looked at so far including a canadian case where most times people do get out of jail Mm -hmm. but why do all of the girls get out of jail but these boys are sentenced to life in prison and at first i was like okay there's usually a sexual element when it comes to men so maybe it's like the sexual element added on top with the like you know the murder in and of itself Mm -hmm. but then you look at this case and there was a sexual element they sodomized and raped her Mm-hmm. So why are why are these why girls are not out? in prison for the rest of their lives? And and you can't say it's because of abuse because no, Josh Phillips was, was abused abused. too. And I I'm not advocating for him to get out at all. I think these girls should be in jail too, especially Melinda and Lori most part. But like I just I don't get it. I don't get it. And you I would can't love make a sense con- out of nonsense. And you, I think obviously like just watching the clip from the prosecutor like there's only so much you can do because they're, they brought so much of the mitigating circumstances from these girls, like abused backgrounds into the, into this case. And for me, mm. I just wish like there was a clear definition of this is Shanda's case. You were abused. You don't get to bring that in. Like there's so many other cases where like, you don't get to bring that in. And we're like, that was evidence that should have been brought, brought in. in. Yeah. So in this, this case, I'm like, no, leave that out. Like yeah. your abuse does not excuse that you, this like, horrific got crime. tortured a 12 year old, a 12 year old all because you, Melinda was concerned about your girlfriend leaving you when the other girls didn't even know. Because when they're trying to explain why this case happened, I mean, Lori, what I'm saying, they, Lori and Melinda are trying to explain why this happened. Mm. They're like, cause she's, stole your girlfriend mm. they so don't what? they're not like because i'm abused this is why this happened exactly like, that your defense is not like yeah. your abuse your defense is that you had teen drama over someone's girlfriend exactly exactly no you hit the nail on the head because like that that i had never even thought of that like their personal excuse isn't even that like isn't even their abuse ex- no they i yeah it was amanda mm-hmm. that was their excuse mm-hmm. which isn't fair to amanda to be fair but right yeah i have a question so yes. Melinda, Lori, we know about them. What happened with um, Tony and Hope sentences? So, okay. So all four four girls were charged as an adult, but in exchange for her cooperation, Tony got the lesser charge of that 20 years. Got it. And then I think because Hope's um, uh, like involvement wasn't as serious as Melinda or as um, Lori's. Sure. She got the lesser charge as well. She didn't get the 60 years. She got like, I think it was like 50 and then it was ma- it was minimized down to 35. Yeah. So that's what I understand so far of that. Does that answer your questions? Sorry. Yeah. Do we know what they served? Um, um, Hope and Tony. 
So I know the years, I'm not good at math, but I know that um, she, I mean, they were arrested in 92 and Tony was released in 2000 and then Rippy was released, Hope was released in um, 2006. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like all of the math aside, it's not ever going to be enough to like- Especially Hope, who poured the poor for justice, yeah, for Shanda, yeah, and Hope was the one that was egging like Tony on to stay with them and everything else. You Hope, because yeah, yeah, because so she, back to that clip, mm-hmm. um, yeah. yeah, it's of um, Shanda's mother and sister asking Hope, "Were you crying?" Like, because she's like got her alligator tears out. Yeah, like, were you crying when you poured gasoline on Shanda? And she's like, "No, after. I mean, yeah. I was crying." And this girl, I don't think she's even crying in the freaking clip from Dr. Phil. No, she's like, not me, crying. She's in- doing the fake like sobs, but there's no, there's no actual tears coming out of her I, eyes. Even I don't if even she see were crying, welling. I just don't think she has remorse. I don't, either. I don't think like no. she has accepted responsibility or culpability for what she did. She was part no. of it. Yeah. And didn't she spray Windex on Shanda? She did. She sprayed and then like, you're and not stuffed her back so in the trunk. Now. And like, I mean, no, yeah. and she, she was one of the girls that went and like when Tony chickened out to go get Shanda the second yeah, she time, was up at she, knocking at the she door. She was like, yep, I'm here. Even if she didn't know at that point in time, exactly what would happen. She was willing to participate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So moving on from them yeah. back to the Scherer family. So Steve Scherer would actually die of alcoholism at 52 years old. Jackie would say that he did everything in his power to kill himself after Shanda's murder other than kill himself. Yeah, that's really sad. I forget what they call that type of suicide. It's basically like where you, it's it's suicide. You're suicidal. You just don't want to cause yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Actually commit suicide. That's so sad. So Jackie has done a lot of work when it comes to Shanda's case. So Jackie, what is she up to? Jackie, she's a chief investigator at the <laughs> prosecutor's office. She's wild. She's a badass. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh, I just so like cool. so want to high five her. And yeah. Like, holy shit. Making yeah. so much out of such a tragedy. Horrible like, situation. Wow. These families of victims always amaze me because so many times in life, you just kind of want to like pack it up. And this situation would make me want to die in my bed. Oh my gosh. I feel like earlier I was not kidding. I was like hunched over like, cause I was like crippled and just disgust and yeah. yeah. And I mean to stand up and like fight for justice like yeah. go Jackie and not Fuck only yeah. that but she's working with juvenile offenders oh yeah she's helping and looking it, at the families first oh like God. that was crazy to me where she was like first we look at the offender but then we look at what was going on in their family uh-huh. to make them do something like that uh-huh. and I was like wow that is purpose that yep. is something yes. that's trying to prevent something else from happening as well yeah so Jackie um had been talking with a breeder whose dogs had been going into the ICANN program, which is a program for inmates to raise dogs for the disabled to assist them. Um, So service dogs. Yeah. And Melinda was a part of that program, and this was totally unplanned, but this breeder actually talked to Jackie about Melinda and showed Jackie a video of Melinda training these dogs. Mm Mm-hmm. And and um, Jackie said she saw Melinda in a totally different light, mm-hmm. um, like as if there had been growth through that program. So Jackie, um, because she saw that clip of Melinda with her dog, with the dogs that she had trained and mm. let and let go, you know, like turned over as service dogs. Um, what, Jackie was donating a dog, Angel, in um, Shanda's memory, mm-hmm. and was letting or. Yeah, like allowing uh, allowing Melinda to train, to train that, dog. that dog. So Melinda trained Angel, the mm-hmm. dog. And um, that's just amazing that she donated that dog for Melinda to train. And that she'll continue donating dogs and is open to Melinda training them More as dogs. part of that program. Yeah, I mean, now yeah. Melinda's out. But yeah, that was just, yeah. that was well, amazing. Yeah. yeah, so... The, the cause for this episode um, is the ICANN program. Um, We'll link it down below. But yeah, it just really touched me. It really touched me. It just speaks volumes to Jackie, like raising awareness in so many different ways and putting her trauma and Shanda's death to like, I don't know, like just greater purpose. Yeah. 
Yeah, and she wanted, like, the the news people in this clip, they were like, we, will she have dinner with her? And she said, no, no, no. We're Jackie like, doesn't have to do that. Jackie doesn't like, want anything to do with these girls. She wants them to just serve their time. But it's good that something good came out of this. And Jackie yeah. had received a lot of criticism for gifting this dog, but she said she knew her child and she knew that this is what Shanda would have wanted. No one can criticize Jackie. No one can criticize one. Jackie. Get off no that. one can criticize any victim's family for doing what they need to do in order to heal to themselves. Heal. Yeah. Get off it. So yep. good for Jackie and the fact that she was able to go into becoming a chief investigator sure. and, you know, overcome this because. Uh, I can I can understand like how you could just curl up in yourself and never want to go out and do anything yeah. ever again. So, yeah, just it's a horrible, horrible case. But I think it sheds so light, so much light on how no matter how tough things get, you, there. It I think it's so good to on. shine light yeah. on Jackie's way of moving, yes. moving things. Mm. Um, it's not like moving on it's mm -hmm. like just what she's done since Definitely. the since the tragedy of shanda mm. and yeah like and you shedding light on the ICAM program and just like bringing awareness to that too yeah so that's basically <laughs> i know we usually <laughs> cheers so i don't feel like cheersing feel like that's cheersing. intentional yeah so check out those resources i think yeah check out the resources um please watch the clips that we shared if you're still here with us because they are super powerful yeah but until next time like um yeah this has been the horrible case of shanda share a hood at media production